0: Hello, this is Joe Pera. I figured I'd let you know about a new program I made called Joe Pera Talks With You. What is it about? Lots of stuff. Each of the nine episodes has their own specific subject matter. For example, episode four, Joe Pera shows you how to dance. Or episode two, Joe Pera takes you to breakfast. Hi, hey guys. Hi, hey Joe. Hey Joe. Oh, yeah. The show also features my friends, Jean. That was freaking cool, Joe. Lulu. Hey, Joe, please don't come over here. Mike and Sue Melski. This is uh, seriously one of the top 10 best kitchens I've ever been in my life. And more people, too. Screw it, screw it, I hope you will consider watching. Premieres May 20th at midnight. It's not Sopranos, but I did my best. Shh. Welcome back to Owls Only, an Adult Swim podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Hope, and I'll have to make 4.6 episodes of this podcast a month until I die at age 85, probably of a poison kiss. So we're talking about a big one today, folks. We're talking about Joe Pera Talks With You, Season 1. So I'm sure I've talked about this before on other episodes of this show, but Joe Pera is probably like... If the Venture Brothers wasn't as good as it was, I would say Joe Pera is my favorite Adult Swim show. It is fucking incredible. It's an amazing TV show. It's So, for those of you who don't know, Joe Pera Talks With You is it's kind of hard to explain. It's a show about, um, obviously, Joe Para, a comedian, a soft-handed choir teacher... And it's created by Joe Para and um, like Dan Licata, another comedian. Connor O'Malley is like all over it. Um, Marty Shuspo is, directs everything on it. Um, but yeah, so it starts. It stars Joe Pera, who's kind of like this soft, you know, soft-spoken guy. A lot of the way people describe him is that he's almost kind of like a um, he's almost kind of like a grandparent made young. No, he he describes Sarah that in one episode, but uh, but that's basically what he is. Joe is Joe is kind of like, Joe is somebody that was raised by his grandparents in the show. I don't know how true it is in real life, and the, you can very much tell he, he just kind of acts like a grandparent, but he's like thirty, and he's a choir teacher in Michigan in the show, and it's just kind of like about his life, and it's about him talking about things that are important to him that he finds interesting, and it's just a fucking incredible show. Um, so this show starts actually. The roots of the show go back to um, March 2016, because back then I remember I was. This is back when season six of Venture Brothers is airing, so I'm watching everything on Adult Swim at this point, and I'm especially keeping up with the infomercials because right around this time was unedited footage of a bear, which is insane. And we're de- I'm definitely going to do that do that on the podcast at some point because I'm a huge unedited footage of a bear fan. But um, so unedited footage of a bear is around this time, and so I'm very, very much into. I'm watching every single infomercial and off the air thing they make. Like I every if it airs on Adult Swim at four AM, I am there for it. And so Joe Para starts off with an animated special, actually called Joe Para Talks You to Sleep, and it's very much. It's kind of like this show without a lot of the narrative elements. It's animated. It's very it's a very adult swim animated in the sense that like a lot of it's just kind of like sliding models around and like moving mouths basically. But it's a beautiful little special where it's just Joe talking to you. He talks you to sleep. He talks about um he talks about like Stephen Hawking cheating on his wife and he talks about like the snack belt in um he talks about like like going to um a batting cage and stuff like that and he plays you his he plays you his voicemails which i know they're made for the show but the voicemails sound they sound like real voicemails and that that part always strikes me because like it's just such a real thing just having like these voicemails of people that like you're in your life but i love but yeah i love the talk to you to sleep special um so I don't want to step on the toes of the Deep End's episode about this because the Deep End did a wonderful episode, but they did two wonderful episodes about Joe Para, and I don't want to repeat a lot of their points. But but a lot of the things they talk about, which is very true, is that um, at this time with like too many cooks and stuff, a lot of Adult Swim's short form content, like the like 4 a.m. stuff, is. Lulling you into a false sense of security and then going to the craziest fucking place imaginable, which is what Too Many Cooks does, which a lot of these things do. And Joe Pera does the opposite, where because by the time Joe Pera comes along, like they talk about this on the deep end, you're expecting it. You're expecting them to like switch it up on you. But what they do is they do switch it off and do but not in the way you expect, because you're waiting for it to get like, you know, like Joe's like a serial killer. But he's not. And that's the thing. And that's the expectation they flip this time where it's like, no, it's just genuine. Like he's just a, he's just a nice, wonderful man. And um, so I loved the talk you to sleep special. Um, but the big thing that really sold me on Joe Para was later that year, on December 9th, 2016, Adult Swim aired, Joe para helps you pick out the perfect Christmas tree, which is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's, well, the first one, the Talks to Sleep special was animated. This one is much more, this is one is much closer to... What the show would actually be like. It's a half hour, which is not the show is, the regular show is not a half hour, but they do they do occasionally do half hour episodes. But this Christmas special is a half hour. It's live action and it pretty much is the exact same format as the TV show where Joe is a choir teacher. Um, Gene is here, his grandma's here, the Melskys are here. Although everyone's played by a different actor except for um Mike Melsky, who's still Conor O'Malley, but he looks v- incredibly different, he looks like a hipster. It's it's it, but like everyone else is pretty much different. Like Gene is a different um actor. His grandma's played by his real grandma, who unfortunately like passed away like right after that. I think that's right after that special aired, I think. But um So that special is first of all, it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of television. It's just about like Joe talking to you about his um Christmas tree. And also in that special, I feel like it's not canon to the show because there's a lot of stuff in it that's different and that couldn't exist with the show. But um, I think that, It's necessary to give you context for Joe Para as a character, especially because one of the sequences in that special is um, Joe, like, fantasizing about having, like, a wife and kids and stuff, which he does multiple times throughout this season, but... um and that's also part of the of the Talks you to Sleep special too, where like he has like a voicemail on his um messaging machine of like a girl breaking up with him. And I think that's a big part of Joe Pera's character is his sort of understated loneliness that we don't really they explore in this, but I think but I think knowing that about him, I, I really do think helps with this character arc a lot. This is kind of the character arc throughout the first season of Joe Pera, because he's definitely, um I mean, Joe is well-liked. He's well-liked amongst, like, his like his family and, like, um he has a lot of friends. His teachers don't – the teachers at his school don't really like him that much, but they don't dislike him. He's got some friends at the school, but you can tell that Joe didn't always, like, really fit in. And I think this sort of, like – I think both those specials kind of go to explain that sort of, like – Like, innate, like, loneliness in this character that I think they do a great job exploring over this first season. But um, the Christmas special also has one of... Because the big thing about this show, too, is that it's not just a, like, nice show. It is also one of the funniest shows that, like, Adult Swim has ever fucking made. Because... There's so many episodes where it's like every single line is like a banger. Every single line makes me laugh. And the Christmas special really sets that off because the first one is good, but the first like the first animated special is good, but it's not as funny as the show will become. But the Christmas one is fucking hilarious. Like um the big one in my friend group, the big one from that special is Joe goes to see Gene, who's played by a different actor, at um, like a bar. And, the, and they're just talking about like whatever. And then someone brings over their fish dinner and Gene goes, look at this fish. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa. And it's the funniest fucking thing in the entire world. So I love I that it's a great special. But yeah, Christmas special, perfect no notes. It ends on a very sweet note where um Joe's choir Joe's like choir class finds him the perfect Christmas tree and he gets like the phone number of like one of um one of like the moms and I think it's just a great special. But anyways, so I think right after that they order um season 1 of Joe Para and I actually Missed this when it was coming out because this this starts in like May 2018 it goes throughout like May and June 2018 and at this point. I was, like, graduating high school. I think in I was 18 years old. Infinity War had just come out, so I was on a really big Marvel kick, and I don't think I was into Adult Swim as much as I would be later on or before this, obviously. I think when Venture Brothers Season 7 comes out, like, later that summer, that really brings me back. But I don't get into this. I don't, like, I don't watch this season of Joe Pera up in, until, like, I'd say late 2018, early 2019. By the time Season... 2 is out. I'm on this. Like by the time season 2 is out, I'm waiting for it to come out. I am telling everybody to watch it. And like season 3 is same thing. But season 1 I did I season 1 I did actually miss when it came out. I think I knew it was happening. I just kept on forgetting to watch it cuz I had a lot going on with like graduating high school and everything. But um so let's get into it. So the first episode is Joe Perry shows you iron. And it is kind of, so the format really is they cover this on the deep end as well. I don't I I don't want to keep on bringing them up, but I do think they cover it in a really, really good way. And it's kind of shaped the way I think about this show. And so it's hard for me not to bring up their analysis when I talk about this. So um the show is they talk about like I said, they talk about this on the deep end. The show is um about, like, Joe trying to do presentations, but, like, life gets in the way, and I think this sets that up perfectly, it sets sets up the whole show beautifully, where it's about Joe, Joe wants to talk to you about how important Marquette is to him, because Marquette, Michigan is where the show takes place, it's where Joe lives, and, um, so Joe wants to talk to you about Marquette, and he's talking to you about like the various like types of iron you can find in like the um I think it's Lake Superior. Yeah, cuz Gene says Lake Superior agate. So he wants to talk to you about like lakes like all the iron in Lake Superior agate and stuff you can find in like the Marquette area and then we get the Melskis who are the Melskis do appear in um, the Christmas special but the actors are different and it's sort of implied that they've known each other for a long time but in here this is the first time that Joe meets the Melskis. The Melskis show up in Marquette for the first time because they're moving and they want to buy Joe's house because there is a um there's like a um, for sale sign outside and so Joe decides that he has to honor this because someone put the sign out and so he just feels like he has to honor it so he he shows them around the house and then he decides he might move across the lake to um to thunder bay ontario and it is this one is i think it's a great this this is a great pilot but i don't think it's a great onboarding episode because a lot of this is just about it's setting up um why Joe cares so much about Marquette. You get to see like his relationship with Gene. You get to see like him meeting like the Melskys for the first time. Um the ending is beautiful. The ending is Joe going up to the Melskis at a diner and like basically going on this long speech about how much he loves his home and his house and his, and he's not ready to leave it yet because he I think he said he's not a rock, he can't just like be he he gets to choose where he lives. And so the Melskis had were like, "Oh yeah, we're like just buying the house across the street because that's what that's what the for sale sign was for." And it was kind of like weird that you let us in your house, but um also this has our wonderful joke where Joe talks about not being able to be in another lawsuit and then he's like oh about the about the lawsuit thing me and gene are suing each other to um learn about the legal system and also to see if there's any racial bias in the courts so fucking funny i love that but um so yeah this is a great first episode of the show i think that sets up the status quo and like the world and stuff but i don't think it's the best onboarding episode the next one is the best onboarding episode. So, Joe parrot takes you to breakfast. Fucking stone-cold classic. One of the best... I feel like if there's a... If there is a list of the best um, episodes in Adult Swim history, this is on there. Like, hold on. Edit that out. Um, This is on there. So... It's Joe Perry, obviously, it's Take You to Breakfast. It's He shows up to um, – he shows up to, like, a diner where, like, all the important cha- – almost all the important characters are. And he's just trying to – he's just telling you about breakfast, basically. There's, it's, there's not much more to it than that. But um, this episode is fucking hilarious. Every single line is funny. Um, and also, I think the show – the show has a really good balance of – sincerity while also being just like not cynical but just like slightly cynical enough to be really funny like he comes in and um like the guy who runs the um the guy who runs the diner is like what are you gonna have today joey and he's like um i can't say just yet and he just goes oh okay guy like he's so he's so done with joe's bullshit of joe just coming in here and talking about like breakfast for an hour before he does anything but um so the setup is Joe just walking around this diner, talking to ver- to his various friends that are also here. And the first we get is we get Gene and his breakfast crew, which is just an amazing sequence. You Everyone's seen the Gene and breakfast crew sequence. It's amazing. I did data entry for 45 years. Now I'm retired. My hobby is sitting down. I want to put that, like... If I had seen this Mike. if I had seen this episode before I graduated high school, that would have been my senior quote. My senior quote right now, when I my senior quote that I put in my actual, that I actually put in the yearbook is Go Team Venture. But if I had seen this beforehand, I would have put like the data entry line as my senior quote, because it's so good. It's so funny. But um we also get in this episode that Lulu doesn't really like Lulu's Jean's wife, and Lulu doesn't really like Joe because, um, like the, the breakfast crew, the Overeasies is Jean's breakfast crew. The Overeasies, all their wives have their own breakfast crew called the Pink Grapefruits, who are sitting at a table like right next to them. And um, Lulu sees Joe, and she's like, "Oh, hey, Joe, don't come over here!" Like she doesn't want him over there. But um, so yeah, breakfast crew is amazing. And then Joe also sees one of his students and we get to see a sort of peek into like, um, the classroom, like Joe running this his choir class. And one thing I do really like about this is that Joe is eccentric, but he's still like a normal guy. Like when he talks to, he talk he's like friends, the kid's there cause his mom is a waitress and he's just talking to like the kid and his mom and he's like friends with the mom. And, um, and the mom is like, oh, is my, is my kid, like, bothering you, like, joking? And Joe's like, eh, it's probably the other way around. Because Joe, Joe's, like, a normal guy. Like, he knows that he's, like, he's, he's just a normal guy, and I like that. I feel like another show would have made it so that Joe's, like, a weirdo, or Joe's, like, too eccentric that nobody likes him. But, like, no, Joe's, like, a normal guy who, like, fits in with people, and he does, like, he's a good teacher. I love that, I love that he's a good teacher. Like, I love that, um, they give you that, but, um... So we also get the perfect egg bite, which is, I think the perfect egg bite is the scene you use to sell people on the show. It's also the first true taste of that Melsky insanity. It's everything on your breakfast plate in one perfect egg bite. Joe goes to see, um, Joe goes to see like the Melskys, and um, he's doing, and Mike Melsky, played by Connor O'Malley, who is a fucking insane man, because like. I love how I love the um I love the relationship between Joe and Connor because their comedy styles are like so different because if you think of like Eric Andre, like Connor O'Malley is like Eric Andre. I always say this, like um Connor O'Malley is like Eric Andre. Connor O'Malley is like the carnage to Eric Andre's venom, if that makes sense. Like if If Eric Andre is going out and doing like, you know, fucked up shit in public, Connor O'Malley is doing like demented shit in public. And it's hilarious. But um, this is the true this is the first time we really get to see Connor O'Malley shine in here because he screws up a perfect egg bite and just starts like screaming. And his wife is like, Calm down. It is so funny. I love the perfect egg bite sequence. It's amazing. But um, this is the onboarding episode of Joe Para, I think. I think that if you want to get somebody into Joe Para, this is the episode you show them. It's almost like this episode of Joe Para is a friendship ritual for me, I think. I think after a certain point if I show you this episode, then we've gone beyond like acquaintances and we are friends now. Like that's how you know you're friends with me is if I show you this episode of Joe Para because it's like I need you to understand how my brain works. So here you need to watch this episode of Joe Para so you can understand like why I talk the way I do. But um so after this, we get Joe Para takes you on a fall drive. This one, um, cements the show as a religious experience. <laughs> like, I always say that, um, I'm, this is a joke, obviously, but I always say that, though, I, when I watch Joe Perry, I'm like, this is how old people feel about Christ. Because, like, it's so just, it's such an experience. But, um, so this is, this is about Joe going on his fall drive, which he does this, the weekend after Halloween, where he takes the jack-o'-lantern he makes, he makes, and he like, um... He, like, lays it to rest in, like, a on, like, a waterfall, and he talks about um he talks about God's car, his 2001 Buick Park Avenue, and his co- this is another one- this is one we kind of see that his co-workers kind of like to lightly bully him. I don't think his co-workers are, like, mean to him, but they definitely lightly bully him. There's a, um, there's a great character, I think his name is John, I don't know who plays him, but he is hilarious in every scene he's in, and he is also, like- his sense of humor is also very contrasting to the rest of the show because he comes in and um, there's like a scene where he's like walking with Joe in the hallway and he's like, "I want to tell you and all the other teachers how I got laid last night. It was by this giant milf." And then everybody, everybody in the teachers' lounge starts cheering and it's really funny. But um, we also get. His t- apparently his um teacher, the fellow teachers ask him which widow he's taking for prime rib dinner this this weekend, which is really funny. But um, you can kind of tell that his that his teacher friends like to make fun of him, but they do still like him. But um, I think this one is a bit. This one has that sequence, which is really funny, and we also get Joe saying um saying he wants to figure out why Jack and lanterns scare him so goddamn much, which is also really funny. But um. This one is definitely, I think, less funny than the breakfast one, because the breakfast one is every single line makes me laugh. Like, without fail, every single line makes me laugh. But um, this one is much more, like, this one's a bit more emotional, I think. We get to see like, a young Joe carving pumpkins with his grandparents, and we find out that Joe is raised by, like, both pairs of grandparents, which kind of explains how he acts, and we also see through photos, we see, like, all his grandparents, like, dying off, except for Nana, like, the main one, which is crazy, because, like, we see, like, we, which kind of, it's very, very, um, it's sad, we also kind of see why he is, like, the way he is, and why he, like, appreciates everything so much, but, um, We see Joe with his nana and Gina Lulu passing out um, candy in Halloween 2013, which is a very specific date, but I like it. I think it's very specific, but it's very funny. And um, this is the discussion of regrowing your soul, which I think... Like, it's such a funny and also, like, really weirdly moving concept that I think about a lot. Like, I'll be, like, watching, like, Fish Center in bed at, like, 2 a.m., and I'm like, yeah, this is regrowing my soul. Like, I really love that concept. And this is also the first time we get Sarah because Sarah is sort of, like – I said Sarah is the secondary protagonist of this show because by the time season three comes around, it is, like, half of it is Sarah's show. So this is the first time we get Sarah. Played by the amazing Joe Firestone, who also was. Ki- she's not. Not yet, but like by the time season three ends, she is killing it at Teenage Euthanasia, which is a wonderful show. But um so the wonderful Joe Firestone is his girlfriend Sarah. She's not his girlfriend yet in this episode, but um she meets him for the first time because she she's the new cho- she's the new music teacher, because he's the choir teacher, she's the music teacher, and she thinks he's like a weirdo because he's just sitting in his Buick Park Avenue eating lunch because he doesn't want to go into the teacher's lounge because we're talking about um getting laid by giant MILFs. And but so it's, it's like the funniest little like meet cute where she thinks that he's just like a weirdo. And he's like, no, I'm a I'm a normal guy. I work here. And she's like, oh, OK, sorry. But um that that's the only Sarah scene we get in this episode. But it is important because we do see how they meet. And the show is like the show kind of becomes about their relationship. So we do see how they meet. But um it's a. It's a wonderful episode of television. Joe's talking about being, like, the Pumpkin's creator, and, like, Joe's talking about, like, looking into the eyes of his creator and stuff. It's wonderful. And then he, like, lays it to rest on the waterfall, and um, it's a wonderful experience. I think, I think Fall Drive and Breakfast are the two, like, those are the two onboarding ones for me. Those and Grocery Store, I think, are the really big onboarding episodes for me. Because if you show people, like, this one and Breakfast, then they know what the show is about. So next we have, um, Joe Para shows you how to dance. So this is the first big Sarah episode, and this is also, I think, one of the more narrative episodes in season one, because the first three, I mean, there's a lot of narrative in all three of these, but the first three are definitely staying within the format of presentation, I think, but this one is really not doing that. Um, so this one is Joe Para goes to his co-worker's wedding, and, um, One of my favorite lines in this is Joe is talking about wanting to participate in the dance floor, but not sure how to do it in a way that isn't threatening, off-putting, or offensive, which is fucking – it's really funny because, like, I think I think like that sometimes. I'm like, yeah, how do I, like – Join, the, join in this activity with people I barely know without being threatening, off-putting, or offensive. Um, and Joe's is kind of, like, sitting to the side, hanging out with this, like, old man. Or, and they're, like... And Joe's saying he disagrees with him about, like, men's earrings because the guy thinks it's disrespectful because he's, like, fucking ancient. But... Um, Joe has that, like, Larry David factor, where in, like, Kirby Enthusiasm, Larry David will be able to just, like, make friends with anybody he's sitting next to, and, like, a big format of Kirby Enthusiasm is, like, Larry just, like, meets and becomes, like, best friends with somebody, and Joe kind of does that here with this random old guy, but, um... We get the first Brad Cam in this episode. Brad Cam is a character that pops up a lot. And Joe meets, like, the bride and groom. And the groom asks him if he's the guy who grilled all those sausages in the classroom that one time. I don't know what that means. But I guess apparently Joe, like, grilled sausages in his classroom for his choir kids. Um... So, Joe and Sarah are, like, hanging out at this dance, and, um, Sarah doesn't want to dance because she's terrified of crowds, which we find out why later, and then Sarah goes, Sarah starts talking about how they're chaperoning, like, the 7th grade dance, and she's afraid of, like, the 7th graders and 8th graders, like, teaming up and, like, taking over the school, and, like, saying they'd be able to hold it down for three days till the National Guard came, but it would still be a huge psychological victory for children everywhere, which is hilarious, but, um... This is a gr- this is a great episode. This one's basically introducing Joe to Sarah like properly, and it's also introducing um Sarah's like fear of crowds and her sort of like centredes and stuff. And by the end, you can tell Joe's like immediately like in love with her by the end of this episode. And um you do th- they do a really funny like sort of twist ending where you think it's gonna be oh Joe and Sarah getting ice cream, but it's Joe and like the old guy. Um and it ends with one of the best lines where Joe said. I wish I had a copy of Black Swan on DVD. I'd watch the whole thing right now. Wonderful line, wonderful episode. Um, so after after a very like narrative focused episode, we get like really back into the presentation format with um, Joe Parra talks you back to sleep, and this is a sort of a sequel to the original animated one, but this is more about. Um, but this is obviously live action, and it's um, different things he's talking about. But this is him talking you back to sleep. But the first one is Joe's talking you to sleep. This one is Joe talking you back to sleep after, like, thunder wakes you up in the middle of the night. Because it's, like, Joe Joe's, like, awake looking at, like, the thunder and lightning and stuff. But, um... This is the one with the pouring liquids into a uh, um bigger container, which I love that. I always think about that after this after I saw this episode. And you get Clinton Moy, who's like this random guy who just Joe like knows apparently, who pours liquids professionally. And Clinton starts talking about um dominoes and Joe doesn't like them because he thinks it's a core belief that you shouldn't waste kinetic energy. Um we do see a little bit more of Joe and Sarah in this because after because we, we don't get too much. We do see a little bit more in this. Um, we also get Joe saying that he doesn't want to be remembered and hopes one day he can just disappear, which is, like, a really weirdly moving line because it's not said in, like, a sad, depressing way. It's, like, it's said in a very, like, weirdly comforting way. I like that line a lot. But, um... Joe also talks about like hot tub jets, which I love. It's like this one is a very um this one is very ASMR like, which I which I love. It's a great episode. Um Joe Joe's kids teach him the slang. Like the kids, like the students, like any he doesn't have children. It's like his students teach him slang, and he tells us that he hopes our crush becomes our bae. But um, so this one is very relaxing. I don't think it's quite as good as the original animated special, but I think it's a worthy sequel. I think it's a great episode. And so after this is the big one is um, the church. Joe Perry reads the church announcements. So this is the one that made the show go viral and turned it into like sort of a cult hit, I think. So the basic concept is Joe is at church, and he's selected to read the church announcements, and he immediately just stops talking about it because he's losing his mind because he discovered his new favorite song, which is um, Bob O'Reilly by The Who. And there's one thing I don't like in this episode is that... um, Joe hears it because he has a classic rock station on while he's washing the dishes. And he says, like I couldn't change the station because my hands are wet. I feel like Joe would listen to classic rock. I don't know. I feel like this character wouldn't be adverse to that like he is, like he mentions being in this episode. But um so yeah, so Joe hears Bob O'Reilly by the Who and he becomes obsessed with it there's this amazing sequence where he's just like he's just dancing around his house he's like getting he's eating ice cream off the spoon or like throwing a spoonful of it into the sink which is funny the pizza guy comes and him and he invites the pizza guy in and they're just like dancing and jumping on the furniture and like his dog gus gets a piece of the pizza and then they have to like wrestle it out of his mouth and stuff and it's so funny but um this one also, um, a lot, all these episodes do, but this one really does build out, like, the town because we see a lot of the townspeople in, like, the church. And we also see, like, the diner guy listening to Joe on the radio while he's, like, closing up and, like, laughing because he knows it's Joe. And I think that, um, that's a thing it's a very Springfield thing that a lot of these adult swim shows do. I think the biggest example is Moral Oral, obviously, because Moral Oral is sort of like uh Moral Oral is sort of like um if everyone in Springfield had like the same beliefs as like um Reverend Lovejoy, or like Helen Lovejoy really, but um Moral Oral does that a lot. I think this show does that a lot with the sort of townspeople. Even like Twelve Ounce Mouse does that. Because Twelve Ounce Mouse is also sort of just like about like a town and about like these townspeople. It's a it's a thing they really like doing in adult swim shows at a certain point. But um yeah. I also love the ending to this where everyone's singing along to the um singing along like it's a hymn, which is so funny. And, um, Joe also, the last, like, two minutes are just, like, Joe trying to drive out of a parking lot and be like, oh, shoot, Uh, oh, shoot, Uh, oh, shoot, but I think about that all the time, like, if I'm in, if I'm, like, doing something fucking stupid while I'm driving, I'll just, like, start saying that, So or start being just, like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, because of this episode, but, um... A lot of people say this is the best episode of Joe Pera. I, I love it. I think it's definitely, like, one of the best ones. I don't think it's the best. I like the breakfast one better. I think I like – I definitely like the grocery store one from season two better. But I think this is a wonderful episode of TV. And I think this deserves to be, like, remembered as, like, one of the best things that Ultim's ever made. It's awesome. Um, so after this, we get Joe Para lights up the night with you where Joe is watching um, Kelsey Melski, the Melski's like, youngest daughter, who's, like, a toddler. She's, like, four or five, I think. And um, Kelsey keeps wanting to drink his beer, which is funny. And Joe, because, like, she asked for a sip of his beer, and Joe's like, I don't know how we're back to this, because she's just been doing it all night, apparently. Um, So, like, her parents are at a party, and... Everyone else that is important to Joe is sort of older, so they're in bed at this point. But Joe is um, watching over, Joe is like watching Kelsey for them while they're at a party. And so Joe ends up setting off fireworks for her. And we get this wonderful um, sequence of Joe Perez's four stages of watching fireworks, which is great. And we also get sort of a reprise of, like, the fantasy from the Christmas special that I was talking about, where Joe is sort of fantasizing about having a wife. But instead of being, like, the sort of random person in the Christmas special, it's it's Sarah. So we start to see – because, like, what we see – the show is sort of about, like, we're seeing everything through Joe's eyes and through Joe's, like, brain, sort of. And so – this is a very this is a great way of showing not telling where we sort of show you you get to see that Joe is like falling for her because Joe is like now thinking about like a life with her really and it's a it's it's a really funny sequence but it's also like it's it's cute I like it but um so then that gets interrupted by the Melskis coming home early because they got too drunk which I don't know who drove them that kind of sucks I hope but I I can definitely although um Mike Melski gets a DUI, and that's, like, his plot line in season three, so I can kind of see him just kind of, like, driving them, which does suck, but, um, so they come in, and then, like, Kelsey runs to, like, her bed and pretends to be fake asleep, which is, like, a kid thing, but then for some reason, Joe runs to their bedroom and gets in their bed and also pretends to be fake asleep, like, um... They come in, and and um, Mike is like, yeah, Kelsey's fake asleep. And then his wife, Sue, is like, yeah, so's your neighbor. And so they're just, like, fucking with Joe, because, like, he's pretending to be asleep. And he's got, like, a shit-eating grin on his face, too. Like, he's, like, pretending. He's, like, doing what a kid does. He's, like, pretending to be asleep. But, um, so Connor, like, fuck, I not even want to call him Connor O'Malley. But, um, so Mike picks up Joe's phone and sees a text from Sarah asking about snowmobiling. And he, um... And he starts, like, like teasing Joe about it. And Joe says, I think, this might be the single, f- I don't know if it's the funniest line. I picked the Poison Kiss line because I think that's, at the top of this episode, because I think that's funny. But um, he said, Joe says to Mike, he's like, he's like, you know what, Mike? From now on, you bust my chops, I bust your lip. And he, like, makes, like, a punching motion. Like, he's going to punch him. And they just kind of stare at him. And then he's like, sorry, I don't know where that came from. But, um, it's amazing. They are really building Joe and Sarah here. And this is also, um, Joe is, like, Joe thinks that she's at, like, a party. Which is funny because she's also, like, she's just as much of, like, she's just as much of, like, a weird, like, loner as he is. Although none of them, she, I think she's, she's definitely weirder than him. But he thinks that he's just, she's, like, automatically cooler than him because he thinks, like, so highly of her. Which is a, it's a nice little character beat that I like. But, um. So the next one is the Joe Pearce t- teaches about the rat wars of Alberta, Canada. So this is real. Um the this is a real thing. Alberta, Canada does not have rats because they really do like have like a rat force that like destroys any rat that they find. But um this one is the most emotional episode of the of – se- I'd say the finale is pretty emotional, but this is one of the most emotional episodes of the season because this one really drops the presentation format, and it's just all about Joe and Sarah's relationship where Joe tells her about the Rat Wars thing, and she wants to make it a musical, and Joe talks about how like um, – because two months pass in this episode too. Two months pass while they're making this musical, and Joe and Sarah are getting closer, and – um. So Joe's talking about how he doesn't um, think that he could do that in such a short he – could, he could build a whole musical in such a short amount of time. But just, like, his – like, Sarah's passion helps him, like, do it in such a short amount of time, which is really sweet. I love that. And – um but So Joe wants to talk for, like, 15 minutes about, like, the backstory at the top of this play, but Sarah knows that nobody wants to really hear that, so she cuts him off, and it makes him, like, really, really upset, and then she kind of, like, freaks out and lashes out at him, and you find out it's because that um, she is, like insanely prepared for the apocalypse which is also like not that insane because if you're thinking about what's going on right now with all the shit going on in like ohio and like there's all this crazy shit that happens like this episode really does kind of hit different than it did in 2018 where it's like yeah i kind of get you sarah i kind of understand like what she's doing but um she you kind of really start to see who she is as a person because um she likes joe she tells him that she likes him but she doesn't she's afraid of liking him because she doesn't think he'll survive past like the first wave of the apocalypse basically and that's real that's a real thing and i think it's a really really interesting direction to take and i think it's a really really good contrast to joe's personality because joe is all about like finding joy in like the simple things in life but sarah is so terrified of everything that could go wrong and i think it's a really really good dynamic they explore throughout like the rest of the show and um it's probably the least funny episode but that's okay because it's so good and then the finale is amazing there's this amazing musical piece they have in the finale where like when joe's thinking about, like, riding on the snowmobile and stuff, but, um, the finale is Joe, like, trying to change a bunch of things about him, so he want, because he wants Sarah to like him, he doesn't wear his glasses for, like, a good part of the episode, which I did in high school, which is very funny, that, that I love this, I love that part, because I did that in high school, I was like, I don't want to wear glasses, and, but, like, he doesn't, Joe doesn't try contacts, he just tries to train his eyes, which is also something that I did in high school, but, um, I love this episode. This episode is very emotional, and it ends with um, Joe. The last, like, half of this episode is Joe goes to Sarah's house and hangs out in her fortified basement with all her supplies and stuff. And it's just, like, it just shows them, like, really, like, making a true connection, like, falling in love and stuff. And it's just a wonderful little note to end this season on. But, um, yeah, this is a... Perfect season, A+, plus, no notes. Like, I can't think of... This is one of the best first seasons in Adult Swim history, I think. Um, I don't know if season two is better. I think season two has some higher highs. But this is just so wonderful. And I encourage, like, any anybody who has, like... I'd say anybody. I don't even... Th- think like you have to have an interest in all swim to watch this if you have if you're anybody if you're a human being alive go watch this season of television because it's amazing it's one of the most amazing seasons of tv ever but um also one with oh one thing we have to bring up um the dj in the um church knock's episode is dan lakata and when my occasional co-host, Alex, and I saw um, Joe Parra do stand-up live, Dan Licato was his opener. And he also ended up coming back on and doing sets with with Joe. But um, he's hilarious. He's so funny. And him and Joe have such great comedic chemistry. And also, Joe Pera's stand-up is amazing. If he ever comes to your city, you have to go do it. It's so, so fucking funny. It's so fun. It's great. Joe Pera's stand-up is amazing. But... Um, yeah, so I'm going to close this out like I always do talking about um, adult swim news. So, I'm recording this um, February 15th and a couple days ago was the premiere of the King Star King special. So, King Star King, I'm going to do an episode about that because I just watched that show for the first time and I really really liked it. I had not seen I had not seen any of it before, but I watched the whole first the whole 7 episode season to prepare for the special and it's great the special is wonderful. Um it does the same thing as Aquatine, the, the new Aquatine movie does where it's about um the main characters fighting Amazon and Jeff Bezos, but in Aquatine it was a parody, but here straight up it is straight up Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Like King Star King beats the shit out of and like steals the kidney of like Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos in the special, which I love. I think I, people had a problem with Aqua Teen doing it, but I think more Adult Swim shows should come back just to have, like, a special or a movie where they, like, fight and kill Amazon. I think that's awesome. But, um... So, yeah, they also – I think that think they're making more King Star King because, uh, reportedly, Adult Swim had them change the ending. Because this is a Christmas special, but it airs in February because um, they changed the ending to be more open-ended so they could make more, possibly. Which is why it took two months longer because they had to, like, redo the ending. So I really hope more gets made. Um, Justin Roiland, unfortunately, is all over this, which sucks. Um, but I think that he vo- – they got him – to voice hank waffles one of the characters even though the guy who voiced hank Hank waffles is still on the special so like why not just have him do the voice that he did but whatever i hope if they make more they have um going mean, to the ended their association with him so he's not going to be a part of it no matter what but um i really hope that they get like the tommy Blatcha, the metal eclipse co-creator who also like did a lot for this show i think he co-created it, i'm not sure um I hope they get Tommy Blacha back to voice Hank Waffles in the next... In the hopefully third season... uh, Hopefully second season of King Star King. Because his voice is great and Royland sucks. But... um, Yeah, it was great. And also... Um, this coming Monday is the Ballmaster special, which I am so excited for because Ballmasters is probably one of my favorite. I think Ballmasters might be my favorite underneath Joe Para of like the recent like 20, late 2010s, early 2020s Adult Swim shows. I love, love, love Ballmasters. And this special looks amazing. It's being done by like an anime studio and it's picking up off that like massive cliffhanger at the end of season two and it's, I'm so excited for it. The cast of Ballmasters is great. So, yeah, tune in for Ballmasters. This will probably come out after it's out. So go on HBO Max, watch Ballmasters. Um, bother it also about making a third season because I really want more of this show. I think it's great. And, oh, they're working on... um. Doc Hammer Jackson Public are posting updates about the Venture Brothers movie where Doc is working on a title sequence because the Venture Brothers, which is notable because the Venture Brothers has title sequences for the first three seasons, and then they have one for the premiere of season four and the Halloween special in season five, and that's it. For the last four seasons of the show, they, they almost never have a title sequence, but they're bringing it back for the movie, which I'm very excited for because one of my, like... It's a very, very specific stupid thing that I love, but I love when movies do big movie versions of, like, their intro sequence. So I'm very, very, very excited to see the Venture Brothers version of that. Ben Jackson also, um, that was Doc who posted that, but, um... Jackson posted a screenshot of him doing sound mixing, which is like one of the last stages of production on the Venture movie. And Adult Swim reposted it and said, I'm coming soon. So I'm, re- I'm really, really hoping for a summer release because I just, I really want to see this fucking movie. But um, yeah, also, if you need more Adult Swim news, follow Swimpedia. They are wonderful. It's at Swimpedia on Twitter. They're the best source for Adult Swim news. So yeah, follow Swimpedia. Um, I also want to do the, my adult swim merch corner here because I obviously run the adult swim merch archive, but i like to talk about things that I got recently. So, um, I'm going to, me and Alex are going to a night in mission Hill in a couple weeks, which is, um, we'll talk all about it. But, um, so I bought some official mission Hill merchandise. I got like a t-shirt and a hoodie, which I'm going to wear to the thing, which I'm very excited about. And I also got um I this isn't here yet but I ordered I ordered um the Fooly Cooley art book and the Fooly Cooley vinyl the third volume of the Fooly Cooley vinyl because that one has um right on shooting star and also like the best album art but I'm really ex- I love Fooly Cooley we're definitely gonna do a Fully Cooley episode at some point but um also a former William Street employee sent me a crate of Adult Swim merchandise, which included a lot of really awesome things, including this, like, some highlights were, like, the Adult Swim toolkit and the Adult Swim toolbox, which any as-seen Adult Swim viewers may remember. Um, This wonderful little, like, felt, like, calendar thing, which I've, probably posted by now in the merch archive it's awesome it's for also it's also for 2013 which i love because that was the year i got into adult swim so it's perfect but also the number one most insane thing was in here it was the um preserved body of sir squirt from fish center he was it is sir squirt in like this solution in like a jar that'll keep his body preserved forever so now like sir squirt the icon who i own a t-shirt of sir squirt is sitting on my shelf which is like probably i feel like it's probably the most insane thing that's ever happened to me but um so yeah i own sir squirt now but um so yeah this has been owls only an adult swim podcast uh you can follow you can follow us on twitter on at owls only pod and you can follow me on instagram um at adult underscore swim underscore merch underscore archive and just check out watch Joe Pera, um on HBO Max watch Ballmasters. um go follow Swimpedia they're my boys go follow Swimpedia and yeah see you guys next time